Hello and welcome back to Podcasting as Praxis. I'm David, my pronouns are he and him. I'm James, my pronouns are they and them. I'm Jamie, my pronouns are he and him. And I'm Rob, and my not he and him. We watched the film again. It's Jamie's yeah, it was a bad idea. A banger. It was not a bad. <laughs> it was so fucking bad. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, we could have watched Smoke in the Bandit. Do you know what I mean? Like, I keep suggesting. Yeah, but someone, can't remember who, decided we were going to watch something else instead. I don't yeah, blame Jamie. me. I was I was communicating <laughs> with the mountain spirit. It's all Jamie's fault. Well, on the subject of of mountains to climb and epic works to be achieved, I figured oh. before we get started on the actual movie tonight, there's little there's a little palate cleanser I like to play for you all, um, which is a little a little callback to something we've previously done, and this is very much an artifact of culture, so it qualifies for the cultural committee. So. A bold bending of the rules there. I'm just going to hit play. Enjoy. For too long, humanity has existed within dysfunctional and polluted cities that ignore nature. Now, a revolution in civilization is taking place. Imagine a traditional city and consolidating its footprint, designing to protect and enhance nature. The line will be home to 9 million residents and will be built with a footprint of just 34 square kilometers. And we are designing it to provide a healthier, more sustainable quality of life. The line's communities are organized in three dimensions. (laughs) Residents have access to all their daily needs uh, within five-minute walk neighborhoods. (laughs) And the line's infrastructure makes it possible to travel end to end in 20 minutes with no need for cars. It said 34 miles, how the fuck is... zero carbon emissions. By leveraging AI technology, AI. services are autonomous, autonomous, saving you time and effort. Pew pew, lasers, lasers will give you bread. Leading architects, the line is 500 meters tall. They've just thrown in 200 little meters floating wide. islands with single trees on them. For some reason, like yeah, that's the thing. We'll, we'll just do some mass effect. Why are there mirrors on the outside? Is that is that so you can't see your shame on the inside? Year-round temperate yes. climate with natural ventilation. Energy and water I don't know supplies what that is. are 100% renewable. The line is designed as a series of unique communities, offering a wealth of amenities, providing equitable views equitable. and immediate access views are equitable. to the <laughs> That's my favorite thing. 40% of the world accessible within six hours at the within heart of the hope, key trade routes. I hope the medals do that same thing that one building in London does when it just like, like cooks everything. everything. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's its defense mechanism. That's so the Pope's can't get in. New wonders for the world. Yeah, I love the new logo as well. It's 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 very it's a lot of quilting in a way. Mm. Yes. Well, that looks shit. So Neom has now you know invented the next phase of their marketing campaign. Well, okay. I'm I'm, uh, I'm when are we moving? No. No. I've explained already. If we're moving anywhere, it's to like some horrible abandoned shack in the woods. (laughs) That's that amazing. uh, um, uh, What was it? That bomb fortress island, Jamie, that you posted a while ago? That looked fucking amazing. Oh, right, yeah. Yeah. A fortress of solitude. That looks fucking great. The fortress of of Praxis. 
Well, I will say the fact that the sides are mirrored does finally like it, it's a bit on the nose, but it is explaining the connection, like and how this thing got started because we've got a line and a mirror, and it's really not hard to see what was involved in putting that together. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Well, um, I don't know. Maybe thankfully, maybe unfortunately, you make your mind up later. Uh, that's not what this episode is actually about, though. No. No, because we watched the film. We watched Netflix's new Born Alike, The Grey Man. Isn't it really just Born Again? Hey, there you go. It's it's evangelical Jason Bourne, but with less personality for some reason. It's really it's astonishingly l- lacking in any kind of personality. It really is. Like, nominative determinism has yet another feather in its cap, because fuck me. Um, like, okay, before we get going, I will say one thing about this film, which is that the choreography team, not the people who filmed it, not the people who actually captured the images of what was happening, um, and certainly not the audio team, but the choreography team were actually pretty good and had some good ideas for the action sequences. It's just that their delivery in terms of how they're actually captured on film, you know, the part through which you see it, is pretty damn poor. Um, that how the fuck it. did That's you see only... it then? Well, no, it's just like, I, I could see what was happening, it just wasn't really very well put together. There's like one section of it where I think that the choreography and the filming actually work, and we'll get to it. Um but other than that, it's just like, oh, that's that's some cool choreography. That's a cool idea. It'd be nice if it was actually stitched into a film in a way that actually felt, uh, you know, urgent and meaningful and give you a real sense of, like, place and scene. So everything else about the film, I honestly think is trash. And I went into it, like, willing to extend it a lot of, like, you know, I thought, well, the opening's a bit, you know, slow. Oh, it's maybe picking up, getting interesting. And no, no, it's just garbage. And I think primarily his problem is just really trash writing. And then the actors are consequently phoning it in because they can it's tell in- that it's trash. It's just incredibly trash throughout. I hated the camera work as well. And oh, yeah, the fucking the fucking drone shots. Yes. The fucking drone yeah. shots mixed with the with the shaky cam. It's just like just fucking pick a lane. Yeah, that, that's the thing. It's like I honestly think the direction in it is terrible, and the writing is terrible, and just nothing else can save it. Basically. I think like, if this had if this had come out like twenty years ago, people would have fucking gone mental. Yeah, probably. But here's the thing: if it came out twenty years ago, it would have been groundbreaking in a variety of different areas, rather than a cheap imitation, which is what if you well, no, expensive imitation. To be fair, yeah. Um, but that's the thing: it's it's an imitation of better products. I can't remember whether it was Rob or Jamie who said that this is like, um, you know, it's John Wick without the charm. And yeah, like that was my. It, it felt like someone watched John Wick and went, was that "How about you?" Do? <laughs> I, thought it was one of you. I thought it was one of you. No, I didn't, I didn't say that. No, <laughs> I did I mean, not take, say that. Either. I'll take. Okay, I'll take credit for it then. But I don't think I'm the one who said it. Um. Anyway, like, yeah, it, it it feels like someone watched like John Wick and then went, "Oh, how about we do John Wick meets Jason Bourne," and just left all the bits of both that made them good. And the tone is all over the place as well. It's it just was, it's really, um... really bad. It was actually uh, Jason. Somebody watched Jason Bourne and Deadpool, and then battled out a script. Hmm. Every yeah. single line of dialogue by every character was written for Ryan Reynolds. It does actually. Kind of <laughs> it, it does have a lot of that energy, but then instead you get um, well, who are the main characters again? I've already forgotten. Um, uh, the the grey man, the beige Chris, man, 
and yeah, <laughs> the, the gray man and the guy with the mustache. It was the, um, it was Alistair that said that, by the way. Okay. <laughs> All right, there you go. No, that's. Yeah, no, just incredibly, just paced. I was just like watching. Uh, sorry, I'm 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 a little confused and a little half cut. Um, I don't even know where <laughs> I was going with the sentence anymore. Yeah, um, Chris Evans was having like fun. Is my yeah. main takeaway. Mm-hmm. I don't think he, he was. He, th- like he 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 was just uh, giving it the full pantomime villain, which was yeah, like yeah. You know. He seemed to sort I, of understand what movie he was in, and maybe the only one. He, I mean, he he did, but at the same time, it just didn't do anything. Like, I was not compelled by the villain, frankly. In fact, I was genuinely, every time it cut back to him, I just sighed uh, the longer it went on. With his introduction, I thought, okay, this could be interesting, but it was just, like, I mean, I've got to give him credit for committing to playing a sociopath with no charm. Uh, Unfortunately, that does not make for a very compelling film. Mm-hmm. And it's just, so, and it, it, it has the, you know, it has the pedigree of the Marvel shit all over it, the, including oh, it really the does. interminable, like, clear setup for fucking follow-ups for the Grey Man expanded universe, the Greyverse. Oh, no. um, Welcome to Habba Hotel. Burton Ernie <laughs> that directed it, innit? Yeah, yeah. Uh, the, the Russo resist, brothers, yeah. Tweedle, yeah. Twip, and whatever the other guy. Him. Okay. See, I, I didn't know that, but I'm not surprised at all by it. Yeah, Bert and Ernie Russell, that's what they're called. I think. <laughs> but yeah, the, the plot of the film is basically that Ryan Reynolds is the worst hitman player in the world. They want him to kill one guy fairly quietly, and instead he just leaves a trail of fucking like bodies and destruction around the globe. <laughs> also, right, so... Uh, wrong, wrong um, Ryan, by the way. <laughs> but... Shall, shall I just say for the record, like, let's let's set up the intro to this because I actually think the introduction to this film makes zero sense on 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 a very like crucial way. So the setup is, um, oh, he's a, he's a prisoner who's visited by a CIA agent who says, right, you can walk out of prison today if you agree to become basically a disposable assassin for the CIA. And he says, sure. And smash cuts to like was it eighteen, nineteen years later? All right, yeah. cool. Um, it's in I think it's Bangkok. It starts off in yeah, and yeah, yeah. It's like a New yeah. Year's yeah, it's a New Year's celebration, a fancy nightclub, and you find out as it kind of is, is introing it that basically there's a guy showing up, he's going to sell some intel to some other shady figures, and our Ryan Reynolds hero is uh, basically there to just murk him. And the way they do this is he goes into a, like, you know, storage room underneath a glass dance floor, which is then has another level above it with another glass dance floor, which is like the private area at the top. And he's got, like, this big fuck-off rifle with, like, thermal imaging so he can see through the two levels, right? And heal. And 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 heal, which made no sense at all. Like, Tom Clancy was spinning in his grave during that. But let's just gloss <laughs> over that one. So the to be fair, he deserves to do the Republican cunt. I hope he never stops Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Starting strong. So the target comes into the top, the topmost level. And he acquires him, and meanwhile he's in like he's doing that CIA control thing, where like he's in communication with the control room, etc. And they're all sitting in the dark, telling him what to do, etc. And he's told to basically take the shot. And at that moment, a little kid walks up next to the villain, and you're like, okay, this is the established moral shot dilemma to show that moral dilemma to show that he's not completely and utterly irredeemable, that he is in fact a protagonist. So that's fine. And he goes, I don't have a clear shot, and they tell him to take it anyway. And then the countdown starts. And something ridiculous happens. All the people in the upper floor 
move over to the window to watch for like the you know the ball drop essentially for New Year's, but the target stays in the middle of the dance floor without the kid next to him, and he still doesn't take the shot. And instead goes, oh, guns jammed, and goes into an unnecessary sequence. And it's like, he had a clear shot there with no child next to him. And he inexplicably just decided still not to take it, even though the child had walked away. And I do not understand any of that. It undercuts the entire premise of the opening. Because, of course, he doesn't take the shot, and he goes and pulls a fire alarm. And as everyone starts clearing out, he then goes on like a really crap, like Jamie said, hitman run to take the guy out. But... I just don't understand. Well, and and, and also, it's like the, the hitman without the procedurally generated bystanders, because it's like, clearly that was the COVID scene, because they're in this massive discotheque, but there's absolutely nobody there. Yeah, it's true as well. Yeah, I think I think he didn't shoot the guy because the fucking kid was still in the room or something. I don't know. It's just, it, just, it just seems a bit weird, frankly. Like... I mean, weirder than that was the order was just to kill this guy when that guy was there to sell this specific piece of intel that was hidden in a necklace. And there didn't appear to be any sort of plan to retrieve that in any way, shape, or form. No, there was. There was. That's what... So, right, okay, so for the benefit of the listeners, um, he goes on like a rampage. We end up having a fight in the area where the fireworks are being set off from big bamboo pipes because... Yeah, I was, I, I was and... bored out of my mind already yeah. during this scene. This is... I started drinking during this scene. <laughs> yeah, and there was like... There was one tiny little good bit during that fight in the bamboo pit, which is they actually worked in the fireworks a little bit, but everything mm. else about it was entirely forgettable and shit, right? And um, so he beats the guy down, and the guy, like, so our protagonist is called, what is it, Sigma Six or something stupid like Sierra. that? Sierra. Sierra. Sierra Six. six. Sure. Um, and so he finds out that this is Sierra Four, who he's taken down, and Sierra Four um, basically hands him this necklace as, like, his dying wish, like, you need to take them down, they're bad dudes, etc. And so, um, that's when Sierra 6 goes rogue and that's a film. Um, but right after he leaves, our team come in and search for body, and that's the team that were meant to retrieve the intel. Um, so, like, that part, there's not yeah, a plot hole. How were they going to do that? Because, like, it's easy to do that if the guy falls out of a window onto a barge full of fireworks because no one else is down there. But if, like, you get shot through the floor in a fucking room full of, like, you know, arms dealers or whatever the fuck, how are these guys just going to turn, like, oh, room service? Do you know what I mean? Like, just by, oh, what happened to that guy? I better check for a pulse and then just, like, steal the necklace. You know what I mean? Can't believe the guy I was just going to pay millions of pounds to take delivery of this thing from him has just died and left me the thing to take right now. Like, yeah. it's such a shit plan. And before you say it, I know it's the CIA, but <laughs> I can only suspend my disbelief so much. To be honest, right, looking back at it, maybe the thing that's in the text but they never translated to the screen is maybe he was meant to gun down everyone in the room. Like, maybe that was the actual, like, plan. But if so, that wasn't translated at all no. in the film. So... Already we're off to a real... And remember, this is the opening... Like, the opening scene in the jail, I thought, well, that's all right. It's just scene setting, and it's it's fairly done. Oh, it's got, um, you know, Billy Bobby Jobby Thornton is, like, his handler as well. And uh, he's so phoning it in. Like, it's just... I'm honestly quite impressive how little of a fuck he gives about the film he's in. So... He is, um, he is. Yeah, I, like, like, I like that, though, because, like, Billy Bob Thornton at the best times just annoys the shit out of me. <laughs> I think he's. I think he's quite good. I quite liked him in Goliath, which I know is apparently controversial, but I actually thought he did quite well in it. Um, I didn't like him in Fargo. I know everyone raved about him as the villain in Fargo, but I thought it was really oversold. Anyway, um, 
but yeah, so like, so that's the opening, that's the, that's the setup scene. But the very first opening scene is just boring. It's and so boring. Really, it's by the, it manages to be both by the numbers and shit at the same time, which I think they is managed. They, the they worst managed to do like a, a a fisticuff scene amidst exploding fireworks be just boring as shit, which is incredible. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, but at least while he was, like, murking all the guys before he jumped out the window, like, at least we got a drone shot of the room. (laughs) Yeah, like, I don't don't understand. See, this is the thing. The tone and the visual style of it is all over the place. Also, the music choice and the way they did all that bugged the absolute shit out of me because none of it fit at all. It feels like it was basically stitched together and any time interest waned, they just said, let's do this instead. And it just, it doesn't fit. It really doesn't fit. Yeah, no, it, it just it, it feels grossly disjointed. I'm going to blame um, fucking... I'm going to blame James Gunn for this shit, where, like, <laughs> all, all fight scenes have to have, like, a, a song that you'll know that plays through them now, and it's like... Yeah. <sighs> yeah, it's his fault. Fuck him. I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it should also be said up front that this movie, much like all these sort of tentpole things that Netflix seems to start without a prior existing property, is just... It, algorithm gone wild essentially except it's just mm. it just does the same thing over and over again but you've seen it in other movies but better and like i spent yeah. some parts of yesterday watching both top gun and point break and like those are incredibly way better movies in every oh, single yeah. way honestly the the whole sequence of, who is it who did point break and heat and the rest of them someone um i'm blanking here i don't the remember director. the director uh point break is uh, Catherine Bigelow and oh yeah, it is Michael Mann. Ah. Oh, is it right? Never mind. I'm getting mixed up. Um, it definitely feels like someone's watched those films, though, because there are direct homages to them in this film. Like, yeah. there's, there's action sequences where you're like, ah, this is the heat bit. Ah, this is the Point Break bit. Like, you know, ah, this um, is the Uncharted bit. Mm. Yeah, exactly. Right. But, <laughs> well, actually, interesting. Um, but yeah, there's, there's like sequences through it where it's like it feels like they basically went, what went good in that film? Okay, let's do that, What, but better. And they pull off, like there's one action sequence in the film that I actually thought, you know, that's quite good. And in a, in a better film, that would have been really cool. And that's it. There's just nothing else redeemable. They even have another action scene that could be sort of good and it's just really badly done with terrible editing, constantly cutting back to the control room and the world's worst acting taking place. So, mm-hmm. yeah. The only credit I'm going to give this film at all is that it knew how, well, not knew how to, but knew that it should uh, use superior European public transport to its advantage. Uh, yeah, <laughs> See, that, I didn't like that scene, but I felt like there was a germ of a good idea in it. Mm-hmm. It's sad. Like, actually, this is my frustration for a film, right? Okay, it's paint by numbers, but... In terms of the people who came up with the ideas for fight and choreographed some of the individual actions, there's clearly good ideas and a lot of talent there. It's just it's just squandered. It's just mm-hmm. so bad. And that makes me angry and disappointed, which is not what you really want in a film. So should we uh should we go through it and explain the, the, the riveting Why plot not? to our listeners? <laughs> I, I can't I can't remember most of it like, but I mean, I'm not going to joke. I've got a Wikipedia summary open because I couldn't remember half of it. And that is, as we've already established, that is the best way to do this because otherwise we're just going to get sidetracked on boats. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Whose fault fault was that? (laughs) Not fucking mine. (laughs) Why did you you even bring the boat up? It wasn't relevant. 
<laughs> you can't you can't just go, oh, there's a cruise ship, though. It looks really cool and mysterious, and then get mad every time anyone asks, what's the cruise ship What happened for? with the cruise ship, and why is it stuck yeah. at the temporal wall? Yeah. I love how that bit has just transcended episodes and is now just lingering behind every cultural committee as a festering abscess of resentment. Like, it's wonderful. But, I still don't um, know what's not consistent. Boat, I want to know. <laughs> Inquiring minds so, would like uh, to know. So, yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll start us on the summary and we can, like, comment on it as we go, I guess. Um, so, he, he, he kills a dude. He gets given a necklace with an encrypted drive in it. Um, detailing the corruption of what the Wikipedia calls rising star CIA official Denny Carmichael, right? Played Who, by I the no guy idea. from uh, Bridgerton. I'll need to take your word for it. I oh, is that what he's him. in? Right, okay. He's uh, he, he's like, you know, f- competently, like, he's not particularly memorable, but he's competently acting the role of like evil CIA overseer, essentially. Is he? And, uh, is he, though? I, I mean, I, uh, is he like i think to be fair i think maybe it's just a fact it's incredibly dialed in and also it was a, a, at some point there's a discussion takes place where they're like oh no this is the bad cia that does bombings and overthrowing people and assassinations well, not we'll the get, good yes, cia <laughs> yeah right you know um like there are there are reasons to talk about this film but we'll, we'll get to that that's a bit later so um he takes the drive he immediately gets an unmonitored uh, phone call from that guy who's like listen did you lift anything off the body and so he like hedges and they like do a little bit of phone i don't understand why he's hedging why doesn't he just say yeah i have it off no i don't like that seems that seems much easier i was trying to decide whether it's worth it it's it's just it's honestly it's bad writing which is meant to advance the plot because the guy the the guy that he like fucking killed on the barge told him like he was like fucking um uh what was what was it like fucking Sierra Sig- 4. Sigma male four or something like that. <laughs> well, anyway, so he decides he's going to go rogue, and he promptly um, changes clothes, goes to an internet cafe, disconnects the computer from the internet, which I thought was a nice little touch, um, and then just checks what's on the drive to find it's encrypted, but it's clearly got information on that CIA guy who's just contacted him, whose name I've already fucking forgotten. Danny, I can't forget it because I can't hear it in any voice other than fucking Tommy Wiseau's. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, hey, Danny. No, like, I cannot hear that fucking name without Tommy Wiseau popping into my head. I hate it. (sighs) So um, at this point, he decides he's going full rogue. He refuses extraction. He calls his old handler, Billy Bob Thornton, and says, "Uh, listen, I'm into some shit. Can you get me out? He arranges for him to be picked up. And you're like, okay, cool. So now we're going to get well, into not some just picked kind of up. He gets picked up by cool operators, and you know well, that they're we'll, cool operators. Well, we'll we'll get to that in a minute because uh. this film has interesting issues with its wet work uh, teams. Uh. So, um, so yeah. So meanwhile, you don't find this out till later, but just for the sake of narrative, he sends the drive to a former handler of the program he's in, um, who lives in Prague. We'll get to her later. Um, and also to Prague because this movie loves exotic location come to another country shoot people in exotic location so fucking annoying to the point where I actually genuinely got confused and thought a severely weird teleport had occurred well that's also because they have to like display the name of the country they're in all the time and it's just like okay 
the thing that annoyed me about that is when they have the flashback that we'll talk about. They had a, they have a flashback which we'll get to, I guess. Ooh, but yes. they didn't they didn't tell you which country that was in, and I, that just left me confused. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I I have a lot of feelings about the, the way this film is structured, which we'll get to when we talk about the flashback. So anyway, same time, um, CIA bad guy Carmichael decides to hire the villain of the show, who is a mercenary, a former CIA agent who was kicked out for being too sociopathic for the CIA. And this is me making a massive jerk-off motion in off camera. Um, and basically like sets this guy up to go track down um are our, our, our great hero well here. i mean i mean they have but yeah but if you if you're going to get like an ex-cia operative for like wet work you're going to have to get like chris evans with a fucking pedo tash because king josh is already in prison <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I will i will say the pedo tash was the single bit of inspired choice for his character and that's it everything else about it is terrible also, um, I quite enjoyed so anyway, that they hired him at the CIA, and his backstory is that he was caned out after six months for torturing people. And I'm like, you don't spend the first six months like learning how to work the email and getting coffee for people. They just point <laughs> no, you straight to like, the nearest like, like torture pit or something. Yeah, but he was like doing it on the bus or something where people could see. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> mm. So we get um, at, at this point, he reveals that he's like, okay, so who is he close to? He's like, well, his ex handler who's um, retired. He's like, okay, well, this yeah, is they have daddy we'll issues find... between them. Yeah. So we'll, we'll find his handler. We, we might not have a file on this guy cause he's been erased from the system, but his ex handler, we've got his file. So we'll find someone who matters to him, kidnap them. And then we'll squeeze the handler to find out where he is. And this is actually like, there's a little bit of like the one like interesting sequence in the film falls off the back of this, but essentially um, they kidnap the handler's niece, who's a young girl of like what, twelve, fourteen, something like that. I she's oh, the no. she's the girl from the um, I think you should leave Tammy crap sketch. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, I um... that. <clears throat> but like, what 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 I loved about the fucking kid in this film is they clearly just like wrote the role for an adult. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. oh, Billy Bob Thornton's Billy Bob Thornton's like older than Methuselah. His his niece is probably <laughs> an adult. And then at the last minute someone went, No, nieces are supposed to be children, aren't they? Do you know what I mean? So this what because like the dialogue was just absolutely not words you would ever hear a child speak. It no. It was it was just baffling like But it was so almost my, my... funnier, like off the back of the Tammy Craps thing, hearing it come from her. Like I I, I yeah. added something almost like inadvertently. I'm going to be honest, I think I don't I don't think that's the case. I think what happened is they played The Last of Us and went, oh yeah, a young girl who's like, you know, sort of naive but wiser beyond her years and like gives back as good as she gets. I, I think that's what they were going for and mm. it just sucks. It's just really bad at it. Um, so anyway, no, I so... Think, um, I think it was an adult like, at one point and they just didn't change the script. I mean, that's, uh, It yeah. wouldn't be the first fucking film we've talked about. No, exactly. <laughs> the yeah. scene where like he's fucking protecting her in the house and he goes, like, she's sat by, like, out in the garden, and he has to go and get his fucking jacket that she's sitting on. That, like, uh, that was yeah. incredibly fucking weird tonally, mm. because that, that like, in any other film, that would that was, like, a meat cute. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> oh, shit, you're right. No, you know what? I think you're right, Jamie. That, that, oh, God. Yeah, okay. I did, I, I took that on face value, and now I'm regretting it. Jesus. Oh, that's horrifying. For this film. Yeah, yeah, and also it has <laughs> also it has the uh, the the end result of the thing that I really can't stand in 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 most cinema is like 
the cute sassy uh, uh, child with the with the one-liners, which is just fucking incredibly annoying. Who's not? Mm. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, they, they do that. They lift her. Um, they imprison her. Um, he goes like the, the villain goes and meets Billy Bob Thornton and says, "Hey, we got your niece." Um, and he's like, "All right, fine." So he Billy Bob Thornton then phones the team of operators who went to extract our hero. So, Rob, how would you describe this this team of operators, and how do we know they are so cool? Just, you've seen these people, you've just seen them everywhere. You, it's, just, it's like stock character by now. There's, they've all have little bandanas on their heads, and, you know, they have knives that don't look out of place at a D&D convention, and they have, you know, <laughs> beards and big muscles. It's just, it's just the same everywhere. It's just a multicolored cast of cunts. You know, like you've been yeah. there. And he's uh, he turns up to the airfield in like a little taxi, which is a cute visual, and they point their guns at him, and they do the whole um, yeah. you know word and response kind of CIA call. Yeah, what was it like? Uh, 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 army age male approaching in little tuk tuk. It's like all right, guy. Yeah, um, <laughs> military age male approaching, and then so we've got the, the guns at him. And That's like, it. it military again. age um, male approaching. Yeah. And then they're like, um, okay, challenge, hermit, response, um, hermitude, or some stupid shit like that. And then the guy goes as well to shake his hand, and he goes to shake it, and he pulls his hand away in a joking kind of way. Yeah. And it's like, all right, okay, fine, whatever. Would've been, would've that been that cool, cool thing we like... used to do when we were six. We've <laughs> gone like challenge banter, and the response was timeline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. If, if you need to identify to another listener that you indeed are shared listeners of this podcast, that's the challenge and retort banter oh and timeline. Um, anyway, so they get on the plane, and the plane is it's a cargo plane. It's got like a fucking um, jeep in it, um, and he just goes to get some sleep. See, and see, before we on... go any further, by the way, I'd just like to stop and just talk about the dialogue slightly for a moment. Yeah, go on. Boys, your boy lads like my guy every single sentence in this film could be finished with the words no homo and it wouldn't seem in place (laughs) 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 um damn yeah it's it's disturbingly accurate throughout the entire film like, I hate it so fucking much. It's so weird. <laughs> it definitely feels like this was... I don't know who wrote this, but it feels like it was written by someone who'd previously been, like, um, you know, like, Ivy League frat house kind of thing, is how it feels. So... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's very much a film was... for and about the boys. My, mm. uh, my favourite thing was, right, because, like, by the end of the film, like, one of the fucking Russo brothers, I think it was Ernie has turned up in a cameo <laughs> as CIA guy number nine or some shit. Okay. Yeah. Oh, of course. And that reminded me of when they had the groundbreaking first gay character in a Marvel-like film, and it was one of those dipshits at a fucking support group talking about how his boyfriend got, like, fucking killed <laughs> by Thanos right. or something. <laughs> oh, shit. And they pushed the they pushed the boat way out for, like, fucking LGBT representation again here, where there's the line where fucking, uh, like... Tashi Larry says, I'm going to fucking put a bounty on his head like so fucking high that every man or woman he's ever fucked will like come out and try and kill him. And I was like, wow, love to see inclusion there. <laughs> it's, just, it's just so incredibly crowbarred in. It's also, so... it's also really good when you know that these like these kinds of scenes um, are like completely extraneous to the plot and therefore can be excised in countries that don't approve of that kind of thing. Like, just super easy without mm, actually yes. any, like, any effort. 
Yeah, like, damn. It's, uh, it, it really is paint by numbers, and it's market by numbers as well. So um, so anyway, he gets on the cargo plane, they take off, and while remind in the me, air... Um, remind me, it's not relevant to the plot yet, but remind me like later on to fucking mention the uh, market and my numbers thing. Sure, <laughs> okay. Um, is this so... the thing about the Skittles at him, product placement? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, no. they, they make... <laughs> the game will snack. Uh, there's a there is a lot of product product placement in this fucking film. It wasn't um, it wasn't product placement. Um, I don't know if you noticed, but like a lot of the producers were like um, Tollywood people, which is like you know like Tamil Hollywood. Oh right, and that's oh, why right. there's that one Tamil character. Oh, that turns out oh yes, don't spoil it. We'll get we'll get to that. Yeah. Okay, um, <laughs> yeah right. So he's on the plane. And it's at this point the plot arcs intersect and he gets a, uh, the, the guy's picking up, get a phone call from Billy Bob saying, right, I need you to kill him and retain everything on his body, but make it painless. Because he's like, you know, we've got his, he's got his niece, so he's like, fuck it, I'm, I've got no choice here. So they go, they do this whole tension building bit where they sneak oh, up no, but on him. He to... clarifies later in the film that he knew he would like fucking, like, just chin everyone and blow the plane up. Because there's a bit where he says, like, how was your flight? And he, he says, like, oh, it sucked. And he's like, well, I knew you would catch a better one or some fucking stupid <laughs> bullshit, you know what I mean? It's, everything has to be too smart for its own good with a dialogue. Mm-hmm. It's really terrible. But I will say, right, this leads to the one semi-competent action scene of a film where I actually thought, oh, yeah, I thought that kind of works. Oh, no, it was terrible. Interesting. Fucking okay. terrible. Yeah, it was actually, it was somehow worse done than basically the same thing in the fucking Uncharted film that I had to watch like a couple of months back. <laughs> I don't know, I everything up to going outside the plane, I thought was good. I thought it worked. But everything, when when the, so basically they get into a fight on the plane, um, and it causes explosions and the plane starts falling apart, etc. And the actual action shots of the fight on the plane, I thought was quite good. I thought it was well done. You could follow the thread of it. Unlike a lot of the other later action scenes, it was well choreographed in the sense you could tell where the action was taking place despite it being quite a cramped, claustrophobic space. Is that because there was literally a thread of smoke to follow because he was beating folk up with a flail? Possibly, actually, yeah. Yeah, but I the, think uh, um, in terms in terms of like actual like skydiving fights, it's not as good as the one in Shoot 'Em Up. And yeah. um, in terms of actual like fighting on a cargo plane, it's not as good as that bit in one of the Fast and Furious films where like Vin Diesel does a flying headbutt on a guy twice his size. <laughs> I've not seen the Fast and Furious films, so I can't comment, but I'll take your word for it. And also, it's um, literally yeah. not as good as the fucking scene in Uncharted where they do this almost shot for shot. See, I've not seen Uncharted, so it's it's know, the, the game. No, the game, actually, the... no. Yeah, oh, you have to see the film because there's a, there's, a, there's a character in it who's like. Literally, Do I really like, have to? Than... I don't want to. No, not not you. These two, because okay. uh, there's a character in it who's credited credited as the Scotsman, and the running joke is every time he speaks, everyone just goes like, "Huh? What was that?" Like he's fucking Scooby Doo or some shit. It's... Ah. <laughs> you'll you'll fucking love it. <laughs> the, uh, the the brave bit but without the charm um yeah. yeah so so anyway he gets into fight on the plane destroying the plane in the process and um jumps off of it and does that whole thing in the air where he grabs a guy who's got a parachute and pulls the emergency chute and uses that to get himself down while choking the guy out with the original chute it's like, oh, also right, can i just say because i watched um the original point break uh yesterday mm-hmm. Speaking of that skydiving scene, so much fucking better done. Fucking 
so much better well, than most Point of it Break. was fucking blue screened and like you know cgi'd frankly whereas in point break they actually fucking went out there with cameras and filmed it like yeah. i mean you know it's yeah, the squid, I mean, that's, it's, yeah, the, it's that's the squids my... versus cgi equivalent of skydiving that's my favorite thing about the fucking skydiving scene in mission impossible 6 is that like it, it's it's like the, the like obviously they composited paris in like underneath mm-hmm. them and everything, but they did actually throw Tom Cruise out of a fucking plane. Just, <laughs> <laughs> just like you know what I mean. Critical support. To, to be, to, absolutely, to be... absolutely on brand for Tom Cruise. It's like right, well, we can't skydive into Paris, so we're going to have to like use computer graphics to to put the ground in. And Tom Cruise is like, okay, but I still, it's important that I still fall out of a plane. Like <laughs> I, I mean, just rolling uh, out a gigantic throw... fucking blue mat the size of a field to fly over <laughs> the circles. <laughs> Just to keep Tom no, it's, Cruise it's, happy. It's a it's a team of fifty guys skydiving ahead of them with like a blue mat strapped to their backs. Clearly, <laughs> um, to be fair though, like no one throws Tom Cruise out an airplane. Tom Cruise throws himself out an, an uh, airplane, yeah. and it's his one redeeming feature as a person. Well, not redeeming, but you know what I mean. Um, anyway, yeah. So from this point, if you're already bored of this film, strap in because it just gets worse from this point on. Because we now have to have a so bad. a phone. There's a phone call between Billy Bob Thornton and our hero in which, uh, yeah, it's established that they've got his niece and he does this thing to hide the fact that he cares about the niece of going, sorry, line's breaking up and then goes, ah, oh, shit, to tell the audience he cares about the niece. And then yeah. it cuts back to the conversation. Um, and then... My favourite bit about this is uh, once they finish the phone call, Billy Bob Thornton, like, says something to fucking... Uh, fucking mustache man like something like oh you're gonna need more guys or something and he just really petulantly opens the fucking door of the limo they're in and throws the phone out he's like well you're gonna need a new phone i was like fucking get him mate (laughs) absolutely ruined him there (laughs) there's also a bit he makes a comment to him and his his response is stash man just kicks him in the face which is like oh okay sure right whatever um at this point any pretext of there being a decent narrative structure of this film breaks down because they now do a flashback of however oh. many years. Yeah, to show I, you I feel, I feel if you need like an entire flashback sequence in your film to explain why the hero might care about rescuing a child, probably write a better film. Do you know, it wasn't even that. It was to explain how he would track her down later, which is incredibly oh. annoying. Well, there's that as well, but like... They could have just said like he's fucking good at his job. Do you know what I mean? They didn't have to include Chekhov's pacemaker. <laughs> yeah, well, they, um, they, they cut back to a sequence of where he meets the small child and small child is recovering from surgery, uh, which they crowbar in just is so badly written. Like they, they really go out of their way to drill into the audience. She is recovering from surgery and oh. he is there to protect her. And she's the because... most hipster ass kid as well because she's got like a fucking like a child no, vinyl record player from the 40s yeah. or something. And then like... A bunch of fucking like shitty records by like wankers. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, to Silver, be fair, Silver Bird by Johnny Knobhead or some shit is the fucking <laughs> unofficial theme song of the film for some reason. Yeah, and they've they've got that purely so that they can play that like you know in scene while he's having a fight outside her bedroom with an assassin sent to kill her? Question mark. Like, um, so here's the here's the other part, right? So she's Billy Bob Thornton's niece. Her parents are dead. Um, the setup to this that means that our, you know, grey man is in there is that essentially, 
um, there's people who want Billy Bob Thornton and his family dead, and their address has been leaked. And curiously, Carmichael, the CIA villain, is refusing to allow other CIA assets to be deployed as security. So, you know, Sigma-6 is sent in to uh, essentially, like, be her babysitter and guard Sierra, her. Sierra-6 now. Let's, let's, like, fucking give them at least the credit of remembering what things were called in the film. He said sarcastically. On the note of think what things were called in the film, um, I don't think it was mentioned once, but Google's um, casting here gives the name for Ryan Gosling's character as Colt Gentry. Yeah, that is his name. <laughs> was that mentioned in the film? I must have yeah, completely fucking missed it. It is in the first it. scene. It is, it, it is in the first scene. Oh, I'm glad, I'm glad you clarified that, because when Rob was fucking live tweeting the film to me over Discord, I had no idea what the fuck he was talking about when he brought that up. <laughs> That's amazing. Oh. So, um, so, yeah, so Lord Fauntleroy is there, and um, <laughs> basically, like, essentially she collapses suddenly, and he's like, oh shit, and he rushes her to hospital, and they're like, oh, it was a programming glitch with her pacemaker, which we can track from anywhere in the world. It's like cover-up, it was to do with the poison inside Tammy Crap's head, we all know. <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, like, a nurse says to another nurse while they're looking at a screen showing, like, the tracker, so they can track her with a pacemaker, this is the entire point of the fucking flashback. But then to justify why it, again, so Why again, remind it, me why it's necessary to put, like, a GPS beacon inside your your pacemaker, because I'm just, like... it's Because it's, it's 2022, Rob. I shit. How else is the hospital supposed to make money? (laughs) It's the the Internet of Things, and if she doesn't pay her subscription, then they'll turn off her seat warmers and disconnect her heart. So, um... (laughs) isn't that the plot of Crank (laughs) Two? So, um, so he brings her home, and she's like, "Thank you so much," etc. And. That night, a guy breaks in with a silenced pistol, and they have a fight outside her bedroom, where our dude is trying to hide the fact that he's fighting a dude to the death outside her bedroom without. Yeah, with a flashlight. So there's like interesting cinematography going on, but it's you know, we, interesting we in the way a drone... is a fucking head injury. What I love about that is how absolutely fucking blase, uh, like fucking Ryan Gosling is, because he's sitting looking at the the like security feeds on on his laptop. As you do, you know what I mean? Just like fucking the kid's sitting reading a book or something and he's just there. I'll just chill out with a bit of fucking footage of the outside of the house. Like fucking, (laughs) you know what I mean? Looking at my own garage door ASMR 10 hour (laughs) on YouTube. (laughs) And then they all go off and he's just like, oh, maybe you should go to bed because I'm about to have to murder some fucking prick. Do you know what I mean? For for twatting around with my dad cameras. I mean, that's... (laughs) Took me fucking ages to bolt those to the wall. (laughs) Was was quite good about the flashlight because they're fighting with a flashlight, and then it cuts to a drone shot outside the house showing the flashlight flicking back and forth because you know it's artistic, and yeah. uh, and that, that's basically at least that it, drone. At least that drone shot was fairly static, though. Yeah, it wasn't just the use. It wasn't just the one. The one they use over and over where they just swoop low over something and then sharp turn right. Yep. So. Um, that's it. Basically, end scene. He, she's like, "Is everything okay?" And he's like, "Yeah, it's fine." She looks at his feet and sees the feet of the, the dead guy sticking no, up behind no, the pillow. No, 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 no. He doesn't say, "Oh, everything's fine." He says, "It's just another Thursday," and that's important because then you go, "Ah, oh, he said that earlier." When he says that again at the end of the fucking film, it's like they watched Shaun of the Dead because that's a, like a recurring thing in Shaun of the Dead where people like say something. Oh, you got red on you. 
and then it gets said again later, but in a different, like, and it recontextualizes something. That's like a big fucking, I can't remember the name of the guy that directed that. Anyway, that cunt, whoever he was, the baby driver guy, that's mm. something he likes to do. Fuck. And like these fucking dipshits, like clearly just went like, uh, oh yeah, we should do that. And then couldn't think of any like clever ways to do it. So people just constantly just repeat things that were said earlier in the film. And that adds that, pathos, don't that you know? Make, that make, sometimes in contexts that make no fucking sense. Like, he says to fucking, uh, he says, like, at the end, he says to the fucking, like, the villain, oh, nobody throws a loaded gun. And it's like, wow, yeah, he'll remember that from when you said it to someone else in a different location an hour ago. <laughs> <laughs> Edgar Wright. Learn. Edgar Wright, yeah, that was the one. There's a lot of mugging to the camera in this, is the only way to describe it. It's very, yeah, I don't know. It feels like a film that fundamentally doesn't have confidence in its own premise, which I think speaks volumes. Um, so yeah, so now we've got the establishing shot of why he cares about the kid, uh, and the fact she's got a, a, a pacemaker which can be tracked from anywhere in the world inside her. Wonder how that Chekhov's gun's going to be used. Um, we cut back to present day um, in Vienna, where essentially, meanwhile, a villain has put out a hit on him and say, you know, $50 million, and it's like, it's going to get all the wet work teams from... Yeah, what said, I, from what I Reykjavik to... What was it? From Reykjavik to, um, what you call it, Jerusalem, was it you said, or something like uh, that? Fuck, I, who fucking, fucking knows? Shit, yeah. I wasn't paying attention at all, but they showed you, like, they showed you all these establishing shots of, like, fucking different guys, like, different teams of guys, like, striding towards helicopters, and you thought, oh, right, these are all these all look like vaguely interesting, like variations on haircut number six. I wonder what their personality. Oh, they don't get personalities. Do you know what I mean? No, they, they don't need them. They, 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 all, up... they all have they all have operator aesthetic as well. Just... Yeah, they all turn up dressed like they're in like Rainbow Six Siege later on well, and just hold, get more down wholesale. Well, hold that thought. So um, he goes to Vienna to get new documents. He visits like a weird um, Austrian guy who's intentionally played up to be, I don't know if it's meant to be like comic relief slash creepy, but it doesn't really work. And also um, in terms of document. like location time, they're in Vienna. So they go to the Hundertwasser house, which is possibly like the most famous location in Vienna. It's just like, look, we have a budget. It's that building you may recognize from those travel brochures you leave through at the dentist. Yeah. So anyway, um, we then have the most comical, like, scene of the film where the guy's, like, taking his photograph for his passport and he's like, can you step forward a bit, step forward a bit? And then he kicks oh, yeah, the he does, comedy... Oh, yeah, the, the full Mr. Burns, doesn't he, like, do you know what I mean? Yeah, like, the, the comedy... <laughs> yeah. Trying try to land on Leonard's corpse. Yeah. So the floor opens up and he's dropped into an old well, uh, which then seals with bulletproof glass. And it's like, aha, got him. And then he phones it in because he wants his money. And uh, we then get this just interminable scene of him like unpacking. Like he had some, he he'd obviously picked up some stuff from oh, the stash that was on the way there. <laughs> I love the MacGyver scene. I don't know what you're talking about. It yeah, but it, but it was played at like fucking five times speed though. Yeah, yeah. I know, right? Well, because yeah, because you had to, you had they had to illustrate that like a lot of time had passed. Otherwise, like people would go on fucking like Reddit and complain about how quickly like moss chops drove from fucking Berlin to Vienna. <laughs> oh yeah, that, that's happening at the same time, isn't it? Because she sees the fucking reflection of like the well in that in the fucking CIA dude's glasses, and goes. Yeah, that was incredible. Like, yeah, yeah. I need to go to Vienna. But the yeah, thing with so... that is that she, she, in that fucking bit, she's been interrogated by. Fucking... Hang on, hang on. Should we explain who she is for the benefit of our listeners? Oh yeah, we just we just did the usual Praxis cast thing of ignoring the woman. 
So. <laughs> <laughs> No, right. She, she, was, she was only in. She was only in the second scene of the film. How, how important <laughs> yeah. would she be? Well, no. To be fair, right. It looks like very phoned in, and then it only becomes relevant at the end of this scene we're on. So you know, it's it's, it's not misogyny at play here. It's just bad scripting. So she is the woman who was there as perhaps the if she were a bad written woman. Um, you know. Yeah. Well, that, yeah. that might have something to do with it. She is the lead on the ground in the first assassination scene. I don't know. Like we remembered the forty-six-year-old child. <laughs> what? Yeah, that was quite memorable. <laughs> Who's the forty-six-year-old child? The one, the Rob with the, the little record collection. This is oh, another this swimming episode yeah, sure. where we all paid attention to a movie. <laughs> this film is this film is so fucking like <laughs> fucking. It's mercury. It just like it both poisons my brain and glides off it effortlessly. Like it's really <laughs> not very good. Um. So, so yeah, so she basically, there's a scene where she's pulled in in Berlin and debriefed by evil CIA, you know, villain lad, um, which gets cancelled halfway through because he's away to Vienna because the guy's been found. Uh, not before he suspends her, though, and she's like, right, fuck, my only way to prove I wasn't involved is to capture this guy myself. This will be important later because uh, we then get a scene in Vienna where the, vil- the, the like, actual, you know, pedo stash villain turns up also, um, also with, with, so- a, with a wet crew. Yeah, sorry. Also, side note, by the way, she's played by uh, Anna de Anas, who, like, is also incredibly underserved, because she plays pretty much exactly the same role as she does in the last two Bond movies, where she's a zillion times better and more entertaining. Last one one Bond movie, isn't it? It's it's No Time to Die, I'm pretty sure. And the other one as well, but very briefly. Oh, I didn't know. I I don't think so. Well, anyway, my, my whole fucking argument here is that they've skipped around to so many different fucking locations at this point that I have already forgotten that fucking the spook guy is on his way to Berlin. So it was very confusing for me to go, why the fuck did she just appear in Vienna so quickly? Because I thought she was getting, like, done in... Yeah. And then interrogation. Oh, they had that. They had that like establishing scene where she was about to get on the plane for like fucking CIA, and then the guy rang her, and or the guy waiting at the at the plane handed her a phone. Too many fucking... people were expecting to be wheels up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. It's 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 really dire. Anyway, but long story short is he MacGyver's his way out of the well by breaking pipes in it that cause water to flood it, so he gets close to the surface. It was it was it... some proper like fucking. Uh, it was some proper fucking LucasArts adventure. I, game she, I was literally about to say it's 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 Escape from Ship Movie Island. Yeah, it's a uh, yeah. used used improvised hacksaw on pipe like sort of stuff. Um, yeah. Never tra- never trap uh, Ryan Gosling down a well that has a rubber chicken with a pulley in the middle in it. <laughs> <laughs> So he basically, just as the guys show up at the well, um, he blows the surface off the well and comes out swinging and takes also, down Also, not team. just blows it up. He takes, like, the gunpowder out of a couple of bullets and creates an explosion that I can only, like, credit yeah. as thermonuclear I, at the same time. And now, I, I'm not a I physics person, forward. and I don't give a shit about yeah. that in general. Yeah, I look even- forward to some dipshit on YouTube, like, having to fucking, like, myth bust this and see whether it would actually work or not. Because, like, what? the 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 worst part of it for me was, like, he emptied the gunpowder out of, like, all the bullets in his gun. And I'm like, yeah, okay, fair enough. And then he just dropped all the empty, like, fucking, like, shell casings in the 
napkin with the fucking gunpowder and i'm like yeah don't you want that to have as little like open space in it as possible to make it explode <laughs> yeah also we was right so here's the here's a physics on why this wouldn't work because he takes a couple of shots at the bulletproof glass and it just like stays there the idea that the kinetic energy from all of the gunshots at once would have enough of a punch when we've already shown that multiple bullet shots on the same place don't really do much to the glass. It's like, it doesn't follow. No, but um, it doesn't, it, it doesn't break the glass. He just like blows the fucking hinge off or something. Cause like the whole, the whole well comes out of the ground and just like fucking decapitates six guys. <clears throat> I suppose. Anyway, so he, he comes out swinging and then he takes and famously, all the famously, being underwater next to a huge explosion has never been bad for anyone. <laughs> Actually, yeah, that's a good point. The shockwave. <laughs> if that shockwave was strong enough to blow the hinges off, it should have flattened him. But, oh well. Um, anyway, yes, he comes out swinging. He takes out all the lesser mooks. But then he gets incapacitated by the villain who, like, pepper sprays him and holds a gun up to his chin and has got him against the wall. And the guy doesn't kill him immediately because he wants the card. And he's like, have you got it? He's like, yeah, I can't find it. I think it's, can't really see. It's in my pocket. And he hands him the pin to a grenade as a grenade drops at his feet. And the villain looks down and goes, oh, ballsy. Then they both dive different ways out windows. It's just the worst shit ever. Uh, this, this film, this film, the, Rus- the Russo brothers must have like an incredible fucking defenestration fetish because every cunt was just jumping out of windows all the time. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. like the, the universe this film's set in doesn't have doorknobs or some shit. People just jumping through fucking plate glass constantly to exit a room. It was like it was uh, like everyone in the film. Everyone in the film just spent their entire childhood just watching Die Hard over and over and over. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> that and that one so scene he, from Jurassic Park where the guy goes "clever girl" because that's essentially the same line yeah, that's as exactly in the stupid grenade, yeah. grenade drop scene. Yeah. So he gets out and then he just inexplicably just starts walking away rather than running. And totally understandably, the villain just comes out after him and shoots a couple of shots over his head, and he's like, "Ah, oh, shit." And at this point, he's then bailed out by CIA handler woman who was in the previous scene showing up and trank gunning the villain. Why? And just again, you it, could have just shot the guy in the head, and the movie would have been over there. Like uh, I'm fine. She's yeah, been yeah. suspended. She's had to hand in her real gun and badge. Ah, uh, raspberries. Well, I mean, no, but like she's she's there to prove that she's still good at, like at a job and deserves a place in the CIA. And you don't like they don't let you have that if you shoot independent contractors. Bail oh, that's true. No, you do. If only like do... fucking if Mustache Guy had been a South American like democracy, she'd have been yeah. fucking like all you know what I mean, gone ham on his ass. But yeah, or like some some person living in an Afghan village, they you know like double tapped in the head is a is a sequel to a promotion. But what yeah. I what I really liked about that scene though, she shoots him in the ass with a dark gun. Chris Evans like just does a, like a whole ass somersault down the stairs. I, I was like, yeah, <laughs> yeah that's... that's pretty good. That like. <laughs> yeah. Then um, meanwhile, there's some dialogue because he's lost a shoe. The, our hero's lost a shoe during all of this, so he's sizing up the villain's shoes, and then it shows you he steals his shoes before. Now, she well, then... yeah, but you see, because like Billy Bob Thornton said at the start of the film, I get it, you glib, and so you know what I mean. That that was his character established. He just has to because he keeps asking people what size clothes they wear. Yeah, I thought before it, he either I, buys yeah. before he either buys their clothes or like fucking murders them. Honestly, I thought it was just like a nod to like the shoe fetish community who are just out there and 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 you know you got to draw them in to make your box office work. <laughs> is, it, is it deviant art the movie? <laughs> Trap Ryan Gosling down a well for all the damsel in distress fetishists. <laughs> It MacGyvers its way out of a well or it gets the horse again. <laughs> um, <laughs> anyway, uh, she tranks him and sticks him in the boot of her car and they drive off. Um, 
But like, if this all feels incredibly pointless and like it's just filling time, it, it is. It's really. It's also a good description. The film is already too fucking long. Yeah, well, it's two hours before credits, and I just yeah. My favorite, my favorite bit was when like I thought the film had ended, and I looked, and it was still twenty. Oh Christ! Left. Yeah, I know, oh, right? Jesus wept. I know, right? Yeah. So, um, so if you're so, listening to this, if you think, oh, thank fuck, the pod's over. No, it's not. No, we're still going, son. Um, so at this point, they have some banter and discussion, and he's like, "Well, how do you know they won't kill you next?" And she's like, "Okay." Um, where is the card? And he's like, "Why should I tell you?" And she's like, "Well, I just saved your life." And he's like, "Fair point. It's in, it's in, it's in Vienna." Um, so no, sorry, not Vienna. Fuck Prague. Where, where is Prague. Prague? Thank you. It's in Prague. So see what David said about location shoots really does just fuck you up in this. Mm-hmm. So um, so they decide they're going to drive to Prague. Okay, where they meet the previous uh, one. I, I want to ha- say as well, all this like all this European like like fancy European location hopping was fucking wasted on me. You could have told me the entire thing was set in France, and I would have believed you. I know, right? So they drive to Prague, except for I- except for the bit in the flashback, which was clearly set in Robert Redford's house from Winter Soldier. <laughs> <laughs> Well, they did. They directed this uh, that as well, so that would make sense. Yeah, yeah. I bet you it's a tax right off of one of their homes. Guarantee you. Um. Anyway, so they they get they, they go to Prague and they meet this dying uh, ex CIA section chief who's previously been established. She's the one who gave the mission to safeguard the kid to him previously. So you already know who she is, and she's dying of cancer. She got three months left because she smoked cigarettes and um. Basically, she's decoded it, and it's, it's all not actually the reason that she's got cancer. Is um, all that time she spent in nuclear silos with Seth from Cochrane? <laughs> <laughs> I liked that. Um, but yeah, so she's decoded the the thing, and it shows that um, CIA guy. This is this is where we get to the politics of a film. I hope you're ready for this. So. Um, Evil CIA guy goes on a rant previously about how he graduated from Harvard and became like head of whatever the section is in eight years, which no one has previously done. So they decode this and they discover that Sierra 4, Sigma 4 as I prefer to call him, had basically found out he was working for some kind of shadow government and um, had tried yeah, to Yeah, this was him. an fucking incredible scene. This was really quite something. So it turns out that Carmichael, the evil CIA dude... Um, essentially has been running his CIA division as his own personal hip squad for the benefit of some unknown benefactor who's clearly involved in some kind of shadow government. And so we get bad CIA versus good CIA. It was in fucking incredible. It's, it's really just like, oh no, this, no, no, the, the, the good CIA would never just like kill a whole bunch of people in cold blood or, or, or do anything. Yeah. Uh, the, the, it's, it, that would only be the bad CIA. It's, it, the, the good CIA is only involved in sending people little lollipops, I guess. Yeah, they keep doing they keep doing this thing where like fucking Chris Evans, not the nonce one, talks about how like fucking because uh, he's not actually CIA, but he's private contractor. He's allowed to like fucking shoot old ladies in the kneecaps and shit, and and that's meant. This to draw says some a lot about society. Yeah, it's supposed to draw some kind of distinction where like, oh well, you know, he's he's like you know private military guys are bad, but like the CIA are good, and it's like the CIA hired him. So you know, <laughs> yeah, state ownership's good. Well, now you discover that actually the reason that guy at the beginning was prepared to have him gun down the child or whatever is because he himself is evil. But it's like, oh, come the fuck on. Um, so well, they, was, that they... not, was that not obvious when he told him to shoot the kid? I mean, yes, <laughs> but, I mean, you know, now it's explaining that actually he's rogue CIA, so it's all okay. The actual CIA are good. 
Um, but yeah, they just casually drop in, this is some shadow government shit. That's an actual line in the film. This is some shadow government shit going on. And they show yeah, you I feel of the text. I feel close. like we were very lucky. We were very, very lucky to get through the entire fucking internal runtime of this film without anyone saying anything about like, oh, is that going to become a thing? Because it feels like it's going to become a thing. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, basically, at this point, they've, for some reason, I didn't actually know how they tracked down where he was in, in Prague, but they figured it out. And so they send down several teams of assassins. Um, so they like yeah, they look in a it's... file or some shit. It's, no, it's all the ones from the stupid montage. It's all the it's all the operators who were yeah. different, literally color coded operators. I don't know if you noticed this, by the way, because the well, first team of hold, them arrives in hold, a red van and they're all in little red colors on the on the screen. No, yeah. I mean like how they found how they found them. It's because they see footage of them posting the fucking thing in Bangkok. Ah, oh, and they figure out it went to and they go, and ah, well, who okay. would he who would he have posted it to? Like, and the only the only other person he's ever fucking like spoken to like ever is apparently the woman that used to run the london office who retired I mean, to prague i mean I'll, I'll be totally honest with you i missed that because my eyes were basically dripping out their sockets at this point trying to focus on this thing um so the the teams arrive i, I won't i'll spare you the, the blow by blow of it but essentially as three months left to live ex-cia woman sacrifices herself so it, it's it's really good because like they're on they're on a, the upper floor of a building with a big fucking round window at the front and all these guys just get out in the middle of the street and like machine gun in the windows and he like notices them pulling up and heroically like dives out the way with the woman but they're like firing up at this window from the yeah street. at like at like a 60 degree yeah. angle so they're really only yeah. taking out like the skylights essentially yeah but there's still bullets like ricocheting off the floor as they're all crawling around yeah. and it's like hmm, that seems a bit fishy then like um she like the the CIA like the young CIA woman like fucking legs it and with the with the drive I think yeah so the, and the then one he one he gets part... tricked like by the old lady into going into the fucking like escape hatch and then she shuts it behind him and then she turns on the fucking like hob on the cooker <laughs> and the guys like the, the the fucking strike team guys all get all the way upstairs in the building without noticing that the gas is somehow from this one fu- oh, this yeah. fucking ring on the cooker must be like the fucking back of the Saturn five. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like, fills both stories of the building with gas like yeah. in about like three yeah. minutes. It's fucking incredible. single-handedly responsible for the pan-European energy crisis is this fucking cooker. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, also, um, key plot points, ex-CIA lady gives CIA handle lady the, um, like, key, uh, keys to her go-car, which is, like, a car packed with a go-bag full of, like, guns and shit like that, and so she legs it to escape, um, to get that, and then she comes back later driving it. This is important for the action sequence. So at this point... I, I, get... I missed that, and I didn't even fucking question it, I was just like, yes. oh, yeah. <laughs> she's got a sports car, why not? Yeah. You know I mean? So... He gets outside and is promptly, like, he, he's almost going back in to try and save her when it explodes. And at this point, the Prague police show up and arrest him. And he, like, knocks a few of them down, jumps a fence, is legging it away, outruns a police car on foot, which I found was particularly hilarious, and gets smashed by a car as he tries to cross the street. They grab him, arrest him, take him to the middle of the square, and, like, handcuff him to a railing in the <laughs> middle of the square while the SWAT team show up. Because, like, this is obviously a bad dude. He was able to disarm three police officers. There's just a yeah. big you know gunshots and all the rest we don't know what's going on the square also by the yeah the square also by the way is i think a map from like unreal tournament or something it's it's, it's clearly (laughs) yeah clearly designed as like a gun arena 
Yeah, so he's um he's like, you need to empty the square, and they ignore him, so he steals a gun, fires it in the air, because cops notoriously like it when you take their gun and don't just shoot you dead instantly. Um, and that causes the crowd to start running, at which point the Payday gang show up and start doing what the Payday gang does best, which is shoot no, cops. No, none of them were wearing, like, clown masks. These were all, like, fucking Tom... These Clancy are special presents. operators, I tell yeah. you, because they wear the yeah. little skeleton hoodies. Well, I, I don't know, man, but the amount of equipment and all the rest of it, it, it felt very much like a Payday mission. No, um, it's, it's, it's Rainbow Six Siege. Yeah. Like, some of them had cosmetics where they got, like, you know, a skull mask over their face or whatever, and some of them just looked like regular guys in a fucking helmet. But regardless, they show yeah, up. They and even start... had like they even had two guys with fucking like ballistic shields. Well, yeah, yeah. Van at one point. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Again, point, reminding you of like better movies where like I can't yes. remember where the where the side of the van opens and there's like a minigun or something in there. And it's like no, it's just two dudes in a shield, one of whom holds that's, the um, other, that's like very close. The 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 minigun coming out of the van. I think that's Howard's end. <laughs> it's uh, the the remake of the Jackal as well, the bad one with Bruce. Oh, Willis. don't oh, yeah. even fucking bring that up. You have to do that at some point. That is one of the worst films. I saw that in the fucking cinema. Oh, oh, shit, you man. paid for that, you fucking loser. No, my mate worked in the cinema, so we all got in for free. <laughs> it's it, it's not a waste of time if it's uh, you know stolen. Anyway, um, so this this then plays out a scene, and what makes this scene especially riveting is they continually cut back to the special ops room where mustache pedo guy is going off about i should rephrase that actually where pedo mustache guy is um going off (laughs) (laughs) important (laughs) distinction in case people think they accidentally switched chris evans's in the middle of the film (laughs) (laughs) no joke that's what was in my head too um so yeah he's, he's basically commenting on and directing the mission where of course we're all wearing gopros to go back to the central office etc meanwhile um there is another character who we've not mentioned until now who's been really background wallpaper who's like the deputy to this dude another woman this is because we're doing yes, this um, on purpose yeah, yeah. again uh, if they wrote these women better we'd probably talk about them more again it's probably this is a film the- for the bros by the bros. That's this it. film very much is like yeah, I, I, but, 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 but not uh, any, but that other woman not... is uh, Bugs from the new Matrix film. Is it Resurrections? <laughs> but also very much in a, a you know this is a dude this is a dude's rock movie, but it's it's no hobo and it's just important that we yes. stress that once again. Well, apart from that one line, it's some yeah. homo. So, so, <laughs> um, also, the just, film can oh, have little homo as a treat. Yeah. Also, <laughs> the best the best fucking bit about this scene is like the fucking they they have like two fucking lorries full of dipshits turn up and just start like World War Three in the middle of a fucking like European town, and like they're getting fucking like mown down and the cops are getting mown down and like there's fucking mounted weapons on vehicles and everything and it's it's just turned into like fucking Call of Duty, and yeah. uh, the guy's like, oh, I'll give twenty million quid to the first person who puts a bullet in that Ken doll, and I was like, ah, oh, that's because he's in the fucking Barbie film. Yeah, <laughs> I see yeah. what you did there. Yeah, very clever. Also, is... so I'm reading the wiki to remind myself because the only reason I can remember Carmichael is I read his name on the wiki. Um, so, um, the uh, the woman who we're talking about here is called Suzanne Brewer. All right, um, who's meant to be overseeing Hanson, but he's just ignoring her casually because lol misogyny. Um, not bother to write any depth to the characters and their interactions whatsoever. Um, so 
essentially they keep cutting away from this action scene which was so so to completely break the rhythm to have the reactions in there and she's going well, yeah, mental if about you, if you don't know how like exasperated chris evans is at all of his guys getting shot then like you know what i mean you'll you'll not his know color-coded how cool... guys yeah mm-hmm. you'll not know how cool ryan goslin is for shooting them all so uh also she's going we're all going to prison behind this like you've started a war in foreign sight and all this kind of shit um but he just ignores her because you know again this film basically takes the position that women are only interesting where they service the plot to get the men from a to b and outside of that area no one really cares about them they've not really got much by way of personality in fact okay here's a little exercise let's do this for a second just to prove our point um david Uh uh-huh tell me a distinct personality trait about any of the three women uh, we've described here. The ex-CIA chief with cancer, the um, the handler who was on the ground with him in the first scene, and the deputy CIA person. Tell me a personality trait about any of the three of them that distinguishes them from each other. Wise cracks. They all wise crack. <laughs> yeah, that, that, that's universal. I think I think the, the question here is really, do any of the women have any agency? And the no. response is, yes, the central intelligence one. <laughs> oh, but yeah. no, but at, the, at the end Anna de Armas like fucking turns into like the guy from Doom <laughs> just, just like running around yeah. with a fucking grenade launcher like yeah, fucking, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know what I mean no scoping dudes from yeah. 400 paces yeah. fucking incredible like but again to stress to our listeners no personality there's just no character in them No, um, they put far more into like the villain and the oh, hero and, and even and the CIA evil dude yeah, but the far more that they do put into it is they have written some dialogue that would have been better serviced by Ryan Reynolds for them. That's yes. it. That that's like, the you... extent they go to. No one in this film is particularly good, like mm. as a character at all. It's that it's that old thing. Like I remember Red Light Media did this years ago, where they had a little uh, thing to show the difference between the prequels of Star Wars and then the you know the first set of Star Wars films, where they basically said, "Okay, describe me." Um, Han Solo without yeah. referencing what he looks like <laughs> for his clothes. And then they said, okay, describe me um, Padme Amidala without describing what she looks like or her clothes. And it's like, there's, there's nothing there to show the, the contrast. This is one of those films where you can sort of pull off this exercise for the male characters, but you really can't do it for the women at all. Because they're not there. They're there as plot devices. Mm-hmm. They're there as equal opportunity plot devices and nothing else. Mm-hmm. And it's really quite grim. Um, yep. And giving them all the grenade launchers and fucking, you know, rip and tear in the world doesn't make up for that, frankly. So anyway, they have a big fight scene that involves public transport, which is where David gets horny. It's yeah, he's the, driving the, the tram. The, yeah, there's fighting a fucking tram. That's great. Yeah, but more, who was, more, who more was trams. Because it was, it was stationary and then it just starts moving. But there uh, doesn't, doesn't appear to be anyone driving it. Yeah, like, I think the implication is meant to be that it's on autopilot, which makes exactly zero sense. I don't think it... No, it wasn't stationary. It was it was moving. Although someone did fucking ding the little horn, though. So someone rang the bell, unless that wasn't was him. There, wasn't, there a, wasn't there an establishing shot of it, like, coming into the square and then, like, being evacuated because, like, people were shooting the windows out or something? Oh, I don't know. That might have been again. <laughs> Mercury. Again, action... The action scenes in this were really badly shot and very cluttered, and they don't have a good through line. It's just like a general rule in this, you know. Yeah. Um, but again, like, I think bits of the bits of the action like had some cool ideas, and there were individual moments where I'm like, "Oh, choreography for that is quite good." It would have been nice if we could have properly seen it and if it had been properly contextualized. 
The so, bit where the bit where he gets on the roof of the tram, and yeah. the last guy on the tram is like coming along, shooting holes in the roof with a shotgun, and he watches and he looks the reflection in the, in the building. Yes. Oh, like, shoot him! That was that was cool. Yeah, that was the only section from that entire sequence. I thought that's excellent. Uh, and then Did just, you not you like know. the bit where they nine eleven the building with the tram though? <laughs> yes. No, because like <laughs> I, I, I'll be totally honest with you. All of this fucking um, you know cool guys don't look at explosions kind of bullshit just doesn't really do it for me. I'd much rather have like. Do you know what I mean? The Bond film's good. It was good fight choreography in tight enclosed spaces where it felt like everything had weight. Whereas this film, yeah, it so felt, much also is going it felt on. like that's that. It felt that the Bond thing. When it, when there were fights going on or, or, or gunfights, it felt like there were some kind of stakes and people got stakes, hurt. Yes. Like when Jason Bourne yes. gets his ass kicked, like he's limping five five scenes later. Whereas this is like, oh, you can stab Ryan Reynolds literally in the neck five times. And he's just like, can somebody <laughs> just take me to the hospital and that can take a few hours. It's fine. To be fair, yeah, until we see like... him stabbed by a pen, we don't really know what he's up to, so... Yeah. It's got that. It's got that whole. So I've seen uh, on YouTube the scene in the Fast and Furious where someone cut this together. It's all the action shit and you know getting knocked around. They do in one of the films, and everyone's like fine until the final bit where there's a terrible scene, and you know that the guy's been badly hurt because suddenly all the other actors go, "Oh my god, he's badly hurt." It, it's got that kind of thing. There's no weight to any of this, and it really undercuts it, which is a shame because there was some very cool, like, the, the choreography team for this were, were quite good. It's just they were let down by literally every other part of the film, um, including, again, the filming, which really undercuts it. But, uh, so yeah, so anyway, they, um, they, they, they fucking take out the extraction teams and they're getting away in the car when suddenly there's one last lone operator. Um, can you guess what he's called? <sighs> That's right, listener. He's called Lone Wolf. Yeah, his 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 code name is Lone Wolf, an operator yeah. named Lone Wolf, which is where the Tamil production stuff cuts in, doesn't it, Jamie? Yeah, yeah. There's a Tamil guy following him on his own, and also Chris Evans's character is incredibly gay for the guy, which I thought was quite cool. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he like tracks them. They they go to a vet. They take like fucking uh, Ryan Johnson or whatever the fuck he's called to the vet, and then they go to, they go to a hospital because they need to fucking. Uh, steal something? I can't remember what the fuck they're doing in the hospital. If they need to get the tracking stuff. Oh the yeah, girl. yeah. They've got the serial number from the fucking weird guy, but they need to actually track it from a hospital. And then when they're in there, the fucking the the like lone wolf turns up, and they have like a really cool fight. Yeah, where wherein it also the, uh, turns out that like the junior CIA handler Anna de Anas is not like just a junior uh, handler, but also a fucking CIA master assassin uh, with mortal combat skills essentially like she's one inch removed yeah. from like being able to do like get over here moves mm. yeah uh, that was that was a fairly cool fight scene then we get the incredible like fucking oh, who throws a loaded gun thing that they, they want to call back to at the end for no reason <sighs> the, that the whole hospital fight scene was fucking incredible with the whole um, uh, defibrillator is nunchucks but like yeah. that was just fucking that was ridiculous I laughed at that it was good. See, I, like, that was it. Was great. It was like it was the one genuinely like fucking inspired part of the film. That fight scene. Like, see, like I said, the choreography team don't suck. It's just that every other part of this is is fundamentally flawed from the get go. Um. Anyway, uh, so Lone Wolf steals the drive from them, right? Which he, and then takes it to um Pedo Stash dude, 
the, um, in the castle in scenic location Croatia. Yeah, because <laughs> you know we just need to do, do a fucking um, war path throughout Europe essentially for this film. Um, so meanwhile, um, they are tracking her down, and sure enough, scenic castle. Um, they basically they they six infiltrates the mission while um, oh god, what's her name here? It's Miranda is is her name, uh, which I genuinely could not tell you from watching the film. If it no. was said, it was said. You know, it's not used. In fairness, um, you didn't know that the main character's name was Court Gentry either, so. No. Um, <laughs> so I just, I just, it's so, so many questionable choices. Yeah. Um, so he infiltrates and he rescues the niece plus her CIA handler uncle, um, who is mortally wounded as they're fleeing, and he tries to sacrifice himself in a failed attempt to kill Hansen, which he doesn't. But he does. Um, he does say something back to Hanson that Hanson said to him earlier. Yeah, which, of it's course, very clapback. Because mm. mm. what's what is more cool than throwing someone's own words back in their face? <sighs> anyway, um, meanwhile, Lone Wolf defeats Miranda uh, in a fight, but then he... just gives up because they're not honourable people. Yeah, he basically, meanwhile, he's seen the evidence and he's like, he's unhappy because he's actually, he's a lone wolf and he's not on anyone's side and he decides that actually maybe she should have the drive anyway. And he's disgusted with Hanson's willingness to kill children and his lack of morals. It's like, all right, whatever. They should have um, just, so, they should have just made a film with that guy in. He was, he may, was way more interesting than everyone else. May, honestly, they might be setting up a spin-off. I'm not even joking. Well, that hopefully, was... they, hopefully they get a director. <laughs> Um, so yeah, and from this point, it's all pretty much cookie cutter. I mean, I can't think of anything particularly interesting that happens in the last section. There's um, a hedge maze? Well, that's the thing. Oh. Hansen takes her hostage, drags her into a hedge maze. Again, Hansen which just reminds you of The Shining, a much, much better movie. Yeah, just... exactly. Then in the hedge maze, Hansen and Six have a fight. Um, before Six can kill him, Hansen's shot and killed by... Um, the, what, what's her name, Suzanne Brewer, the deputy to the corrupt CIA guy, who then tells Six that she plans to pin Carmichael's actions on Hansen so she can gain blackmail on, on Carmichael. Um, but Brewer pledges, uh, and she she pledges that the niece will be safe, but only if Six continues to work for the CIA. Um, they basically cooperate in the cover-up. Um, you know, they're forced to. No action is taken against Carmichael. At the very end, Six escapes custody and frees Claire. It could have just. Uh, it could have just ended like twenty ended. minutes before yeah. all of this. By the exactly. way, Jesus yeah. wept. But we get an, we get another rendition of of like Little Silver Bird. Yeah, as he, very as important. He, fuck that was by. As he escapes with her and Carmichael and Brewer are left dumbfounded as to how Six was able to get away, setting up the Last of Us style assassin and child sidekick uh, sequel, almost certainly. Well, no, it is. I've just checked this. Um, it was announced that a sequel is in development with Gosling oh, reprising his role and the Russo brothers returning to direct. He will also produce the film with Joe Roth, Jeffrey Kirschenbaum and Mike LaRocca, while Stephen McFeely will write the screenplay. Oh, huzzah. Yay. Hey. Can't wait to see the next uh, one. We are, not, we are not doing the next one. Like I genuinely you want say to What if it's back. good though? Yeah. What if it what if it turns what if it's really good? What if the next one's shit? And then we have to watch the third one in case it does a has fallen style turnaround. <laughs> <laughs> 
this is I'm, if they I'm recruit honest, Nick Nolte for the sequel because they keep referencing <laughs> the old man as the bad guy yeah. if they get the wizard back then I'm fucking in there <laughs> that's okay that's the one the one circumstance in which we'll review the sequel I think but um, I'm what, if honest, it, like, what if what if no there's like got to be a fucking a million actors that could pick for the old man that would like make this a fucking day one watch Ryan oh, Reynolds <laughs> <laughs> now I was going to say like Christopher Walton nah Mm. Morgan or, uh, Brian, either Brian Cox <laughs> <laughs> or, uh, no I'll tell, tell you who they could get Werner Herzog oh yeah okay watch that yeah <laughs> maybe actually I don't know uh, I will say this this film is not as good as the first has fallen, has fallen. Um, oh no it I, doesn't I, have I, any I disagree, I disagree. I disagree. This this was this was merely bland, uh, whereas the first Has Fallen film was astonishingly racist. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's what at least makes the first Has Fallen film film memorable. Whereas this, I, like, I, frankly, I'd rather I'd rather I forget a film that like has no racism in it than remember one that does. <laughs> I mean, yeah, okay, sure. From content production perspective, though, I'd rather have something we can actually be like you know seriously mad at and make I don't know. This is. I just. I, I know, cannot. We've done ninety minutes on this horse piss. I know, and it's been a fucking effort. You know that scene where Billy Bob Thornton gets his uh, fingernails pulled out. It feels like that. That's what this recording has been like of this film. Because I swear to God, I cannot remember half. That, the shit by in the this way, film. was one like twenty. All of a sudden, I'm like, what the fuck did we get into? Like a latter season of twenty four here? Like what the fuck was that? Yeah, all like of a the, sudden, the tone of this film was so all over the place, bouncing between light-hearted Joss Whedon and poor imitation. Like banter, cutting to pulling out someone's God, imagine being a poor imitation of Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't have to have the films in front of us, Jesus. Only half. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. Okay. So that 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 that's your cultural committee for this month. Um. Yeah. We'll stop doing it's... these when enough of you demand it. Yeah. <laughs> and I, even I, then, I, we I'm may continue though, out of spite. Most. Who... More seriously, though, if anyone would like to write in, if any of our patrons would like to write in with a suggestion on films we should have a look at, we will promise to at least consider it. We will uh, at least I consider won't. them. Nah. No. I prefer just, like, thinking of some shit at the 11th hour and then everyone getting really mad. <laughs> <laughs> the next no, the next cultural committee's already been decided, unfortunately, so... Because like if if you let if you let the parents write in, they'll all be like, "Oh, you should watch this film. It's about like a thing that happened in the real world." And I'm like, "No, no, we should definitely watch something with Daleks in it." <laughs> all that fucking, do you know what I mean? I'd feel like, this. You so, will just find a way to watch something with Daleks in it anyway. Yeah. So, would you like to hear the kicker for this film? By the way, um, if, if we must, but sure. kick me instead. It, I was I was just going to mention. I meant to mention this, but it costs about two hundred million to make. Uh-huh. And in terms of releases outside, uh, it's hard to tell what it done on Netflix because you know that's all subscription based. But internationally and worldwide, um, it's made about two hundred fifty thousand dollars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Didn't it only come out on Friday? It's that's still really poor for past opening weekend on a budget of two hundred million. Yeah, yeah. Certainly with this cast, like... Sean, it really like, but. No one's going to the cinema these days anyway, though, are they? I mean, no, well. to be fair, nobody's paying for fucking Netflix these days either, like, because it's shit. <laughs> yeah. 
To be fair, like it, I mean, it, you know, they're gonna they're gonna reintroduce ads because it turns out that the infinite free money volcano is over. Whoops. Well, maybe maybe if they didn't cancel every good show they ever somehow made, yes, people would like fucking stick with them. But yes, instead, uh, it's like it's like, oh, you enjoyed that, did you? Well, fuck you. Horrible. We're not yeah, making no, any friends. more of that, but we're paying a hundred billion dollars for friends. Yeah, like, have fucking just... bright too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. And it's like they—they they just are they still are they still making that after like fucking uh, Max Landis turned out to be like LA's premier sex offender. I don't uh, know. Probably. No I don't even probably. know that story about Max Landis. So he's a fucking sex offender. Yeah, you're not wrong. Um, yeah. But I mean, the problem—the problem with Netflix uh, fundamentally is they want everything to be like doing gangbusters, like Stranger Things or whatever. But they don't understand that to create an ecosystem where you can get a breakout like Stranger Things or whatever, you need to support a whole bunch of stuff which is really good, but that doesn't have a wide audience. It's got like yeah. it's, it's got a supporting niche and it keeps them on the platform. Exactly. So fucking this. bring back Santa Clarita Diet and bring yeah. back the Dark Crystal, you fucking cunts. <laughs> the Dark Crystal. Um, so much money OA was spent had... on that, and they just fucking yeah, the went there. Absolutely, like, I... bring back the OA. That was fucking batshit. I loved it. I wasn't into the OA, but I appreciate that a lot of people liked it. So it's like, yeah, why, why cancel that? Um, what was the other one? The one that, um, God, the the one about psychic um, connections is by the people who did the Matrix. Um, Sense it. Sense it. Yeah, like that, for example. It's not, like... it's not. It's not just the people that did the Matrix. It's also the guy that did Babylon Five. Oh, right. I didn't know that. Oh, okay. um, yeah, but we just instead they cancel all of this shit. Left, yeah, right, they, they did at least they did at least like let them fucking wrap up like four seasons worth of stuff in a two-hour film at that. For that, fuck's sake! It's know, more right? than fucking Drew Barrymore and Raylan Givens got. <laughs> yeah. <sighs> Buckles. I don't even give them it as well. Factor. Like, actually, fully will not give them the rights to it, even though they've they've opted to buy it from Netflix. They've refused to even do that for like I think it's like ten years or some shit. They're making them wait. They just sit in the IP. Fucking horrible cunts. I hate them. Anyway, this has been the airing personal beefs of the podcast section. Yes, yeah. it's why we're here. Um, yeah, yeah. sorry, Alistair isn't here to, to to join, but you know he'll be back hopefully next week. No, well, I mean, like rip Alistair for watching half of this fucking film and then not even having to like <laughs> yeah. podcast about it. Also, may I, mean, I just say, may I just say, big ripped by partner who ended up watching literally half this movie drunk out of her mind Sunday night and then watched the whole thing again with me today. <laughs> oh, yeah, my uh, my missus wouldn't watch it with me. <laughs> She fucking hates Ryan Gosling for some reason. <laughs> I mean, off the back of and this, she, it's got, justified. she got she got mad at me when because I, I like about seven times during this film, I like paused it and just went to wander around the house for a bit because I was bored out of my mind. <laughs> yeah. and, on, and one of those jaunts, like uh, she asked, I, she, well, weren't, I thought you were watching that film, and I was like, I am. It's shit, but Ryan Ryan Gosling is bae. And then she got really mad. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Uh, well, okay. on that note, that's... Uh... On that note, yes. Um, so we will be back with another episode next week. Uh, you can get more episodes. We've just dropped the uh, bonus for this month at patreon.com forward slash praxiscast. You can see us on Twitch sometimes, um, sometimes Mondays, sometimes Thursdays. Just have a look on the Twitter. That's twitch.tv forward slash praxiscast. You can get merch at uh, fucking... Would you call it the merch store? The merch store, that's right, which is praxiscast.tmail.com. And you should also listen to Peace at Home, a podcast with music by Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 
think All right. about um, it up. Yeah, we'll, we'll catch you next week. Cheerio. Bye. Right. See, See you later. later.